Welcome to Nature Back podcast of Single Earth. In this series, we are talking with investors about their vision of the new green world. My name is Tarmo Berki. In this episode, I am talking with Agathe Freimane from Norsken VC on impact investing and how the line between the impact investing and the classical investing is blurring. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Agathe, for joining us for the Nature Back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we are here at uh, Techchill in Riga to record this episode. Enjoying the cold uh, spring uh, weather. You're originally Latvian? Yes, that's right. So uh, originally Latvian, but at the moment based in Stockholm with uh, Norsken VC. So I'm always happy to come back here because it really speaks to, speaks to my roots. <laughs> Tell us a few words about Norsken, how, how it was born and you know, what's the philosophy behind Norsken? Of course, would be happy to. So Norsken was born maybe six or so years ago and it was started by one of the, co-found, one of the three co-founders of Klarna. And the idea behind Norsken is that we, want, we fundamentally believe that it's the entrepreneurs that are the solution to some of the world's most pressing problems. So Norsken is all about helping and enabling these impact tech entrepreneurs. We're really building a thriving ecosystem that allows these entrepreneurs to succeed. And what that means in practice is that today we operate houses that are home to these entrepreneurs. We have uh, now uh, thriving places in Stockholm as well as Rwanda and more to, to be added soon. We run different kind of programs, such as accelerator program to, to really kickstart, uh, help these entrepreneurs kickstart. And we also, of course, invest. And I'm uh, one of the general partners at Norskin VC. And us specifically, we're focused on investing in seed series A companies all across Europe. But we're really looking for this uncompromising focus on impact, but equally uncompromising focus on generating top tier financial returns. Because we really believe that uh, impact and financial returns go go hand in hand. It's been a kind of discussion of many guests uh, here here on the show <laughs> how those two things go together or how well they go together. Some, I mean, I would say there is slight uh, difference of opinion. Maybe some older school VCs are a little bit uh, clearer in the fact that our uh, you know, our main target is to bring financial returns to the LPs. If impact comes on top, that's nice, but it's not horribly necessary. Uh, to, uh, to the other end, where somebody is saying that we are purely focused on impact, and we know that if we, if it's you know, great impact case, it usually actually makes good money also for the LPs. Yeah, and I mean for us, it's 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 sort of the angle which we come from. So when we first, so we started to invest uh, roughly five years ago. And in the beginning, we had, a, we had our kind of sandbox vehicle where we really wanted to test out what the strategy is going to be. And we just knew that we want to back impact tech entrepreneurs. And in the beginning, we were open to doing both for-profit, non-for-profit, because our ultimate goal was to maximize impact. And in early days, we maybe made some investments that were stronger or if there is such thing as, you know, maybe in the short term, stronger on the impact rather than the financial returns. But then we very quickly realized that those, those companies, they didn't scale. So even if you have a very deep, meaningful impact, if you don't have a strong business model, you're not able to attract capital, you're not able to grow. So hence, you don't really scale your impact. So today, we really don't think there is a trade-off between the two because we firsthand saw that unless you have a 
tremendous financial potential, there is a limit to how far you can scale the impact. It's only when you have this incredible financial potential that, and, and if you back businesses where impact is at the very core of the business, that's when you also get the scalable impact. So for us, it was kind of coming from it that way. And then today the strategy is like uncompromising impact, uncompromising financial potential. How do you define that uncompromising word? That sounds very uh, strong, I would say. Yeah, like I would say, I mean, the uncompromising how when it comes to impact, we're, we're we, we really careful about what investments we pursue. I mean, in a nutshell, we want to back solutions that have positive impact for people and planet. What that means one layer down is that they have to address at least one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, so that's kind of our first filter. So once the company has gotten through that filter, then we really start our impact due diligence and we will really, really, you know, scratch beneath the f- surface. There are, there have been cases where we're like, oh, this is impact company. And then you start to talk to researchers, people in the market, and then you realize, oh, we actually didn't think that, you know, there is, there are these unintended side consequences that we actually didn't really think about. So we're very thorough in the due diligence process. And then the third step is also that we measure. We, we, it's very important for us to, to, be, uh, to measure impact and to the point where we're linking our carried interest in the fund with, with impact targets as well as financial targets. And that's the last step where it's uh, uncompromising because we're taking it from kind of one end to another. And when it comes to financial returns, it's, 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 um, it's, uh, it's, it's probably similar things that you'll hear from all the, <laughs> all the other VCs, but how we measure ourselves on that is, you know, we look at the funds that come in next to us or after us, and, and, and we really aspire to be in, on the cap table alongside the top tier performing mm. funds. The, uh, the impact, uh, I mean, is it, uh, do you kind of, uh, what's impact for you? It's it's positive positive impact on on people and planet and the unit that you measure can differ from business to business. Um, climate is is our biggest bucket and in climate space it tends to be easy because ultimately it all boils down to CO two reductions in most of the case. The people bucket it's uh, it's probably has to be more defined for each individual company. I mean if you take education as an example, ed tech. And then your impact KPIs become how many students have you reached, Mm. how many classrooms have you reached, but the real impact KPIs by what percentage have you, you know, improved the 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 outcome of uh, of of the education by what percentage have the results improved Mm. as a result of better uh, tools. Uh, In in addition to climate, ed tech, is there any other kind of big fields in the in your portfolio? Yeah, climate, ed tech, uh, health and well-being uh, is, is a very big theme. Also sort of transparency and accountability uh, because sustainable decisions often start uh, with also information and transparency and traceability. So those are very big mm-hmm. themes, um, yeah, to, to name a few. But uh, we, we constantly keep adding more of those. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, looking from the you know, climate sector overall, I'm hearing from many people that uh, the sector has been over the last uh, you know, 12, uh, 18, 24 months uh, so hot that uh, you know the getting hotter planet can't really match the match the sector, or or that uh, 
to the level that there is more money in the sector than there are startups in the sector. Mm. You're seeing something similar? Yeah, it, it's really interesting. I mean, but I would say it's it's a very positive development for for you know for all the planet and and, and people and, and maybe just a kind of sidetrack. It's really you know five years ago, us as an impact investor, we were still seen as the kind of the exotic animal on the on on the <laughs> in the, on on the field, and you know we were talking to all the usual suspects. But sometimes, uh, let's say, we were keen to make friends sometimes than 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 the vice versa. And today, now that impact is trending, you know, we're getting calls from people that we used to look up saying like, hey, you know, you're the impact investor. We really want to pick your brain on this and this. So, so we've definitely seen how the, the, the rise in, in popularity of, of impact investors. There is, um, there is a lot of money, but I would say, uh, I, I, I would say that it's, there is still uh, a lot more room to, to deploy that. And, and uh, I would not say that there is lack of opportunities. I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of mm-hmm. what, uh, what's possible. And, and quite frankly, like, and, and the one thing is that also a lot of companies in climate tech are more hardware, more capital intensive. And maybe if someone says that there's just not enough startups in the space, it's also because a lot of entrepreneurs thought that there's no point starting these businesses, that there is no capital. And it, it's kind of what comes first, and you know, the, the start exactly the chicken egg. Do the startups come first or capital? Maybe at the moment there is a lot of capital, but that's just going to inspire more entrepreneurs to, to actually to dare to, to start businesses uh, in, mm. in, in those sectors. Mm. Uh, many people have been speaking about how climate uh, is kind of, longer project often than the uh, the I don't know old school VCs time frame of uh, 10 year fund and uh, you know needing to get out before the 10 years and no are over and so on uh, coming from the impact VC uh, do you also have a 10 year time frame challenge or yeah it's it's a really good question and, and I think it's a question that we're talking a lot about in the VC space where the VC investors know ultimately what do we like to invest in. We like to invest in huge opportunities, huge TAM, and you know there is no bigger TAM than than address, you know bringing ener- energy, mm-hmm. <laughs> s- sustainable energy to people uh, to to the global or or figuring out carbon removal solutions as as um, as, as some examples. So it ticks a lot of the VC boxes except for the time frame. Uh, but I really see that the market is changing and I think uh, um, there are more VCs tapping into it and that's naturally creating, int- starting to create new uh, new exit opportunities. We see secondary trading and, you know, we've seen projects that have 20 year horizon. So, of course, it's way too long to be part of the whole ride for, for most commercial VCs. But we see that secondary market is opening up. Maybe a bad time to talk about SPACs, given that they have been taking the beating in the market and it's not necessarily the flavor of the month, but SPACs was also sort of, you know, kind of a new invention to actually crystallize and realize returns within the VC time span. So my personal take is that it's still really, really early days, but I think the VC universe recognizes the opportunity and, it, and but also the challenge of the time frame. But it's slowly starting to be solved by new ways of, of sort of still realizing the, the liquidity or passing the button from, you know, one uh, 
one phase of investors passing the button on to the mm. next wave, uh, second phase of investors. Mm. Eventually, the, the logic that, you know, if there is an opportunity, the money will find the way, right? Yeah, exactly. A really, really good point. And, in, and, and to be honest, we, you know, ultimately, it should always be about the funda- fundamentals. I mean, if you have mm. really strong business fundamentals as a shareholder, investor, or as a founder, you'll always have options if you have a promising business with very strong fundamentals. So, mm. so uh, and, and the same goes also for these impressive longer timeline projects. Mm. Uh, you said that you're kind of looking at the whole of Europe. Um, if you would need to I don't know, describe what's, the, what's in the climate field, the, big, the situation in Europe today, any kind of big trends, big changes, how would you describe it? I really, really think that Europe is at the forefront of the climate tech movement globally. Uh, what I see right now is um, also Europe is at the forefront of, let's say, the public sector and the regulatory environment for taxonomy uh, being one. And uh, so we see in Europe more so than anywhere else in the world, regulation pushing, <laughs> you know, big and old school businesses on the path of sustainability. But the reality is that a lot of these businesses, you know, they don't have the tools to achieve these. And, and then it's, it's up to the startups to fill that gap to actually enable the industries to shift to more sustainable. So everything in that space uh, as a result of regulation, so carbon accounting, carbon credits, etc. So big, big opportunity, I'd say in software, that's probably one of the most exciting uh, things happening. There's a lot of very interesting momentum also in the hardware software intersection, really excited about carbon removal. I think the it's interesting how market uh, has grown for that uh, substantially. Electrification, uh, I know, you know, Tesla was born in the US, but actually it feels that there is a lot happening in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. We're one of the investors in, in Northvolt and uh, Hart Aerospace and Einride, one of the frontiers in the European electrification movement. Mm, absolutely. The uh, European electrification movement, that sounds rather fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Time to sort it out, the European electrification. Yeah. Uh, the, um, it's interesting how how in many kind of startup sectors we've seen that Europe is somehow the, the laggard, the, the one running behind the US, but the, this one is different. Yeah, it is different. And, and, and I mean, to be honest, I have to be aware of my own uh, filters and bubble. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, we're based in Stockholm and, and also I would say, I would go as far as saying that, you know, Europe is leading the sustainability trend globally, but I also think that in the forefront of Europe is, is Nordic. So, of course, mm. I'm, I'm biased. And, <laughs> <laughs> fine. and, and, and you know, I, I obviously live and breathe that, that mm. bubble every day. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, this um, electrification of Europe trend is happening at the time when we have a kind of new Cold War, the new Iron Curtain being set up between the East, uh, East and the West or the Russia and the rest of Europe. How do you see this? Uh, I mean, how massive is the push for that electrification to be even faster? It's, it's um, if I can make <laughs> bold, maybe naive <laughs> predictions is, is, I mean, there is really no, uh, maybe it's the wrong way to say that, you know, there is no silver line, lining to war. War is, you know, the worst thing that, that, that could possibly happen to, to, to us. 
at the same time, like I think 10 years, 20 years from now, we're going to look back at this moment in history. And I think we're going to pinpoint by saying that, wow, you know, that this was such a shock factor that really accelerated renewables, electrification more so than it would have by factors uh, at, with, at compared to what would have happened uh, if uh, kind of organically. Mm. So I think I, I really do think that we're going to look back at this point in time and mm. say this was the year when uh, when things really accelerated. Mm. Because, I mean, the underlying trends have always been there. The oil and gas industry have always known that their end is coming. They have only known that, you know, in, in, they try to prolong until the yeah. end in a way. But uh, yes, that's, uh, that's a really interesting. Yeah. Oh, and it's interesting. I mean, it's in our human nature, like the, the, the basics of human nature is to to be extremely creative and be actually extremely resourceful. And it's now is a time when we need resourceful, we need to innovate. And, it, and it's sometimes, you know, when you're truly pressed <laughs> in the corner, that, that's when when some of the best innovations are, are born, because in, in a nutshell, we're we're problem solvers. It's it's uh, yeah. So I have a lot of faith in us being able to but, solve. <laughs> but at the same time, this problem solving. I mean, it's really in the human nature to solve also the problem of being to able to kind of continue as is, that to avoid any changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely by nature that kind of a problem solver. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think I think the kind of looking back over the last few years, uh, also one could also say that uh, you know. The world has been really working on not to change anything for the oil and gas industry. Mm. So it's, uh, it needs kind of outside shock to move faster or actually change things. Yeah, and, and we have that. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, maybe not, not, not apples to apples comparison, mm. but, but, but it's like, you know, every now and then it's like you, you, you resist the change, but then, then, then you give in eventually. I mean, comparing phones, right? You know, not everyone switched to smartphones overnight. And even if you heard people saying, no, I don't want smartphone, I don't want to, you know, complicate things. At some point, you just had to switch. Otherwise, you can't pay your, you know, electricity bill because it's app-based these days. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. and, you know, at some point, it just, mm-hmm. and, and let's hope that the same happens uh, here, that it's, it's uh, even though we're resisting change, we have no choice. Mm. We just have to. If you if you look forward, kind of uh, from the Norsken VC perspective, uh, I don't know in the next six twelve months time frame, what's your kind of biggest focus areas, or what will you be working on mostly? I mean, we're always focused. Uh, I mean, from Norsken VC side, I mean, we're always focused on on finding the most. Uh, the next impact unicorn, as we say, company that has the one billion dollar uh, potential, as well as company that can positively affect one billion people. So, that that always is going to remain the number mm. one priority. Is that just to keep hunting for those impact unicorns? <laughs> hunting <they laughs> or hunting sounds bad. <laughs> I was just thinking that befriending the, but, uh, but the, the impact uh, unicorns. But the, the unicorns don't exist, really, right? So they're not mm. real. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it's it's something I was, uh, you know, the other sidetrack. It's like why we coined the term unicorn was because it was so rare. And these days it's not that rare anymore. You know, mm-hmm. the, the bar has lowered, uh, though. I think impact unicorn is still pretty rare. And, oh, and, and the way so I see, you know, the company that can really change the lives of one billion people. But doesn't mean that we shouldn't aspire to. Mm-hmm. But it's a really high bar. Do, and, we, do we have any of them? I mean, depends. Like it's 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 um, 
I mean, to give you an example, it's, it's the way also we actually think about mm -hmm. impact is that you have the direct immediate impact as a result of the company, but then you have the systematic change. I mean, one good example actually is, is Tesla. Mm -hmm. I mean, the short-term impact KPI is how many Teslas did you sell? So how many diesel or petrol cars did you take out of circulation? But the, the long-term impact is the systematic change that now every automaker in the world is switching to electric fleets. So when we invest, we want to see that, we call it the theory of change framework is like, okay, in the short term, let's see how many people you can affect positively, but actually is there a roadmap to that systematic change that's ultimately gonna impact the lives of 1 billion people. Mm -hmm. And for Tesla, it kind of could be that. Exactly, because yeah. I mean, it's 7 billion people in the world, so it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> and they're all going electric. Exactly, so. and there are probably a few billion cars, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. True. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Agata, for this uh, discussion here in uh, sunny, sunny Riga. And mm. uh, good luck. Yeah. Thank you so much. Enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Backed Podcast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid.